Hello, welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I am your co-host, Buddy. Today we're going to talk a little bit about Battle for Azeroth. But before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what it is we do on this podcast? Well, on this podcast, it's pretty simple. Uh, we like to talk about games. Battle for Azeroth is the newest WoW expansion, World of Warcraft expansion. Um, World of Warcraft is a game that I have been playing since... I mean, I've been playing World of Warcraft for a long time, but like, I've, this is the longest uninterrupted length of WoW, I think, in my life. From the end of Warlords to now, I basically have never canceled my account or anything along those sorts of lines. Like, I played all the way from one end of the other to, uh, from one end of Legion to the other. Um, anyway, so Battle for Azeroth is out. People are playing it. It's hype, I guess. Um, and we are going to talk about it. Um... Unlike some of our typical casts, uh, we are not going to give you a spoiler warning right up front because there's a lot of like gameplay sides of things uh, to talk about without spoilers. I know plenty of people haven't gotten through the um, you know like the quests and stuff, so that stuff will be at the end. We'll give a we'll give a, like a warning. Um, don't want to scare away anybody who hasn't gotten all the way through uh, the three zones for their faction yet. I guess. Yeah. Um, also, we neither of us have finished the alliance side, so. It'll be mostly spoilers for Horde when when that comes. Indeed. Um. So, uh, let's kick it off. Um, what do you think about, uh, say, like the the? Did we talk about the class reworks during the end pieces of one of one of our last podcasts? I can't remember. You know, we might have. Um. So I'm definitely interested in talking about like the, the class reworks in the context of the Azerite armor because I yeah, actually think that point. you and I have different takes on it because I like the Azerite armor quite a bit. Um, so I don't dislike the Azerite armor per se. For those at home that don't know, the new mechanic for the expansion is it opens up, you get a necklace, um, that, that absorbs artifact power a la the, uh, the artifact weapons. Um, minor side note, greatest improvement is the, this AP just automatically gets added to your necklace. You don't have to fucking right click on it. Um, and then, uh, at various points, the slots in your chest, shoulder, and head, um, or your, your head, shoulder, and chest pieces all have powers on them that will unlock at various levels. Um, higher level gear has higher level AP requirements to unlock it. Um, and this is kind of where it breaks down for me. I'm not a super huge fan of kind of... like I, it, To me, it feels bad that the better your armor, the more like AP you need. Um, and not from like, like the, the thousand... 10,000 foot view, but from like in the very like kind of in the moment feeling of having a fully unlocked piece of gear, having to make the choice of dropping that for a higher eye level piece of gear. Um, uh, along with this, I find the uh, most like all but one of the powers to be severely uninspired and kind of boring. Um, uh, the worst culprit is the level five, is the five item level boost at level three, which kind of ironically. Um, makes up for not having that 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 slot unlocked. Uh, if if you don't have that slot unlocked, then it makes switching armor pieces a little bit easier because you know it's it's always a static change. Um, I find level two ones to be all right, but I find like the level one ones that aren't the one that's particularly the armor to just be kind of like super boring, and I'm not a super huge fan of them. Yeah, because that's interesting because I like the ones. So I've seen it for two classes so far. Uh, I'm sorry, actually, it's not true. I've seen it for two specs so far, because I've seen it on Arms Warrior and Fury Warrior. 
Um, and a lot of these are actually like repurposed, um, like artifact traits that are getting kind of like you can opt back into an old kind of dragon artifact trait, golden trait, I think they were called um, from Legion. Um, some of them are old tier bonuses um, that make tier sets that, that used to come in old tier sets. And this is part of like, and this is part of what they were talking about when they talked about Azerite armor, right? Like, Watcher Ian Hosekostas basically was like, we have a lot of different places in WoW where we modify your spec. Whether that's trinkets, whether that's, you know, rings with activatables or, or something like that. Whether that's tier bonuses um, in PvE raid gear. Um, whether that's the artifact, right? Like, a lot of the time, we like to give you stuff and, and small choices about, like, the way that your spec plays at maximum level. Um, or on, like, the road to max level in current content or whatever. Um, but he basically was like, well, we decided, you know, that with the Azerite armor system, we just want to take everything of the we want to take all of those disparate pieces out and consolidate them in one place right so there are no more tier sets um and there's no more tier gear uh surrounding the um surrounding like pve content or anything kind of along those lines um and uh i kind of really like that change i like that it's all consolidated in one place and i think that the it's interesting to to make it that kind of binary choice that really affects my play style because you get do you get that feeling i get that feeling with every single one of my artifact traits whenever or my azurite traits or whatever right like every time i take one i'm like okay this makes my blah blah better and so i need to rejigger my rotation to kind of preference that does that make sense I see your point, and, and maybe it's just not as good on, on the monk. Um, I'm also curious, Do you you have multiple of the same type of um, spec, basically, right? Like, I like monks have one of each GPS, heal, and tanking, um, so I can only take on the first level the, the, the DPS or the kind of, like, generic trait. Um, can you choose between your, your different... Like, it, do you have access to yeah, more than... Yeah, so it doesn't... It doesn't act, I mean, the traits don't overlap, because, like, Fury... I mean, Fury and Arms have a couple of different things together, but, like, I, I don't think any of the Arms traits would affect Fury, and I don't think any of the Fury okay. traits would affect Arms. Okay, so it's, it's the same thing. Um, I don't know. I find that all, all of mine are, like, um, you know, doing X gives you, like, some... Mine, like, the, one, the ones that are on the top of my head are, like, um, there's one for Tiger Palm, gives Tiger Palm a, a, a benefit, gives rising, using Rising Sun Kick, um, adds, like, gives greater damage to all your other physical attacks, or, like, you get a bonus to crit if you hit more than four people with your Fists of Fury. But it's not like I'm, I, I have any space to modify my behavior there, right? Like, I'm always going to be using Rising Sun Kick when it comes off a cooldown anyway. Um, Tiger Palm's always my filler anyway, so it's not like I have to worry about doing anything different with that and the fist of fury thing is 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 just literally whether or not there are four more enemies in the area for me to hit um like none of them feel like they're significantly affecting my behavior and, and again uh maybe this is just just kind of like a uh monks don't have a ton of uh things to tap into there right like i don't think any of the things that i've seen so far have been golden uh traits but i don't think any of the monk golden traits were particularly inspiring anyway they were like modifiers to like touch yeah because i have um because i have a couple of traits but all of them very 
I feel like all of them, maybe one or two. Like, for instance, there was one that empowers your slam by a certain amount, which is just kind of like a random proc that your slam is better. Um, and slam is a filler item, and so it kind of just, like, bumps that in the priority. Like, oh, when you hit this proc, you ignore Mortal Strike for, you know, like a GCD or something like that. I mean, probably you don't even ignore Mortal Strike. But I have a lot of stuff that's like, okay, Bladestorm increases damage over time, right? Every time Bladestorm deals damage, it increases by da it, it increases by X amount of damage or whatever, right? Um, which made me want to use Warbreaker, which is a, which is a another kind of cooldown, um... That puts a debuff on everybody around me that makes them take 30% more damage, right? So when I had the Bladestorm one and, uh, or when I had the Bladestorm trait, I would always use Warbreaker. I would get these big groups together, use Warbreaker, and then Bladestorm them all down because my Bladestorm did tons and tons of damage, right? But then I swapped out my Bladestorm for another one that said, um, you know, um, when you use Warbreaker, um, all, or all of the, for every 10 rage you use, during Warbreaker, um, when Warbreaker expires, you'll get a, a strength buff accordingly, right? Like, you'll get 40 strength per 10 rage use or something like that. And uh, and Bladestorm doesn't use rage. So all of a sudden, now I was splitting up Bladestorm, right? Like, it is inefficient to use Warbreaker and then Bladestorm right on top of it because Bladestorm doesn't use uh, rage and doesn't pump up that, like, artifact trait, right? So it completely flopped my playstyle to the other you know, to the other direction. I have another one that says whenever I use overpower, I do damage in a line. So I was doing these things where, um, you know, you're rounding up mobs and then you want to like back up and try and funnel them into one line. So they all take damage from that, from that like line shot. Yeah. I, I feel like, I don't know. I'll have to see with some of the other ones. Cause it might be the opposite, right? Like it might just be that arms is outsized good, right. In terms of affecting my play style. Um, yeah, I, I'll, I'll, whenever whenever I get around to playing Beauregard, I'll have to figure out if the rogue ones are better. Because the base ones have, in some ways, done that to me, right? Like, I still have um, my headpiece is the, the one for finding, um, doing a bunch of the treasure chests. And so its uh, its effect is is every once in a while it spawns a uh, uh, an orb that you can go collect and increases your primary stat by X. Um, and so it's a little bit more moving... Um, Moving in combat, which is neat. I mean, it's something I'm used to because monks also have that kind of mechanic. But it's at least something neat and, and different to do. Yeah, um, see, that's actually kind of interesting because most of the generic traits I've seen so far are relative. Like, there's Champion of Azeroth, which just is like, every once in a while, you get a buff. And it, and it stacks yeah. up to four, you know, and it lasts for a minute. So, basically, you just never lose that buff, which is, you know, which is, like, cool and it feels powerful to a certain extent, um, but uh, it doesn't like alter my second to second playstyle in the way that the the warrior specifically. Yeah, it, have been. I'll definitely root that. Most of them for me are like just ones that look cool, right? Like the one that spawns the different. Like there's a couple that that spawn like helpers that show up, and like there's one that I keep using that I really like just because the themes is uh, uh, lightning strikes every once in a while on your. Oh targets. yeah yeah yeah! I yeah. actually like that one. I had that one for a while because yeah. it was making me want to. Um, kind of like gather up mobs and try and clump them into a single spot so that the lightning strike would do AOE or something. Yeah. Um, um, but like like I said, those don't really change my play style. They're just cool passive. Like, they are cool passive effects, right? Those are infinitely better to me than you gain 300 mastery for 15 seconds or whatever. Um, just because... It's because they, 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 they feel nicer, I guess. Yeah, what is the mastery for monks? 
It's just uh, like a percent damage increase, right? Um, if you don't use the same move, like, like if you don't use okay, the same yeah, move yeah. simultaneously. Yeah, because there are some classes where, right. like for instance, Elemental Shaman, getting big spikes of mastery actually changes up the playstyle quite a lot. Um, because mastery, that's just because of like how mastery works. And the same thing is true for like haste and crit strike in certain things, right? Like, like if you get a big crit strike buff as a uh, fire mage, all of a sudden that's really valuable because you're hitting all of your crits and you can keep um, essentially palm pyroing. Um, palm is presence of mind, which is like an instant cast fireball. And if you crit twice in a row on on a fire mage, you um, you know, you auto you automatically toss out that pyroblast, right? So yeah, that's that's neat. That's interesting. Yeah, and um, I it, it, I don't know. I feel like monk. One of the things I like about playing monk is that it's got this very kind of rhythm gamey feel to it. Um, you're kind of just always trying to like hit, hit buttons to the beat. Um, mm-hmm. and honestly, ever since the patch, I like I'm I've been thrown off a little bit because there are little pieces of dead space in there, and I don't I can't tell if that's me. Um. Not quite um, having the rotation down right, um, or if or if there's just kind of like meant to be more space built into it for the for the moment, um, um, but that kind of play style I think doesn't lend to having a bunch of options to switch it up, right? Like I'm I'm yeah. always using like I have like a pretty hard priority list and I'm pretty much using everything on cooldown um, as as I can. Yeah, that's uh, interesting because that's not the way that war like either warrior really plays. Ah, uh, well, kind of like. The, uh, Fury, um, I was actually pretty disappointed with Fury and Legion because I like Fury when it's very proc-based. Um, it makes you feel more like a berserker to me to kind of be, you know, going through a rotation, but then all of a sudden you get a proc and you just start mashing a button. Like, there was one, uh, the the old talent, Blood Surge, which was the best. Uh, Blood Surge said that just 20% of the time you uh, could proc a... Um, you could like proc a thing that made your slam. Uh, it reduced the global cooldown by one second, and it made them the next three slams free, and um, and like do more damage or whatever. And so what you got was like you had the regular kind of global cooldown, right? So like one second, one second, one second, right? Um, or one and a half seconds, one and a half seconds, and then all of a sudden you proc blood surge, and you're just mashing the shit out of your slam because the the global cooldown goes to half a second, right? And so you're trying to, like, take advantage of that. And that felt very, like, I don't know, like, Berserk Rager kind of, like, for, almost, like, aesthetically. Sure. Right? Um, but uh, that, I, I don't have something that looks like that sort of rhythm gameplay, which I definitely do feel on my Wind Walker Monk. That makes, like, a lot of sense. Because everything has these, like, hard timers. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, just kind of, I, I think to go back to a point that I, that I highlighted a little bit earlier, that, that I want your your take on um how, how do you feel about like like my all my when i hit 120 all my base gear in the in those three slots had all three filled out and i quickly got better gear where i had access to the first level but not the second or third and like i said the third doesn't really matter because it's just <laughs> yeah. a, you know, a five item level increase which i am not happy about from kind of a fun standpoint but i am kind of happy about because it makes the comparison between a lower level item that i have all traits on access on like that comparison is easier um, yeah, but I, I feel like that's like not having access to the second level just feels kind of bad that I have to like make that choice, um, in, in a way that's like even for like significant amounts of of, of eye level. I think they have a 
small problem in, in, in this i think they're iterating on the problem of artifacts right like the problem yeah. with artifacts became they wanted an extra resource that was quote unquote always useful right so no matter what you could always be dumping artifact power into your artifact and that was like a useful thing to gain which um is true and but like they they ended up kind of not quite understanding how like the system worked and so they had to do like you know, 55 billion percent increases and you're like adding artifact power in the billions because like they just didn't really like think through like the sort of math of what that looks like. Um, and I think that they're iterating on it here and they're trying to make it so like, okay, listen, right? Like you could either take a lower eye level item and have all three of your rings unlocked or you can take a higher eye level item and only have like one or two of the rings unlocked. Um, and that's kind of like your your choice to make. And I think that's the reason that the most important choice is the first ring, right? Because really yeah. the, the, the big DPS increase comes in that first ring, right? Like hypothetically speaking, I think it kind of feels better from like a like an earning it aesthetics point of view to have that third ring be the first ring, right? You get, you know, the first ring is, hey man, just increase. It's, it's a little bit like the nether like crucible, yeah. to be honest. Um, the first ring is just, hey, like increase your item level by a bit. The second ring is kind of a situational, you know, utility, utility move or whatever. And then the third ring, boom, now you have like the big Mondo choice. You know, what, how do you want to increase your DPS, right? How do you want to increase your output? Um, but they can't have that be the third ring because that that makes it completely uncompetitive, right? Yeah. Because now people are giving up or they're sitting on pieces of eye level gear um, because they don't have like the Azerite to unlock it. And so at least if you unlock that first level of Azerite gear, it like I like I think I'm actually wearing two pieces with only the first level of my Azerite unlocked. Yeah, um, I I am too at this point. Um just because I didn't have great things in those second rings that I yeah. cared so much about. I do have a piece waiting for my head slot. That I'm not swapping in yet because I want to wait till I hit that second one. I'm actually um, kind of interested because I really think those second, um, uh, those second ring slots are really good. Um, like it allows me to do big fat chain pulls that I like doing, for instance. Um, and because you know you have like vamp, it's like vampiric speed or something. When you kill somebody, you get yeah. a little bit of health or whatever, so you can get like these big huge packs and then blade storm them all down or whatever and so even if you go low you end up earning it all back and stuff like that um and it feels bad to, to not have those traits like yeah i'm glad that i'm doing more damage because i'm up 15 eye levels and i'm and i have a better first ring or something like that but boy i'm really missing those like shields and movement speed buffs and shit so i i think that that's like the the thing that really makes it feel like Bad rather than good for me. I, I felt this kind of before I had any of these two. Is like, why am I building more artifact power? And then once I had, was in the situation, well, this is why I'm building more artifact power. But it feels worse because it's, I'm building to reacquire something I already had rather than something new and shiny like you did in the old, old system, which, you know, obviously wasn't perfect, but at least you kind of always had that, like, oh, you were always had forward progress at least. Um, uh, especially since, like, I don't know, like, I think part of the other problem, too, is, like, if you get a piece of armor that doesn't have the second-tier things that you want, but significantly higher eye level, you're just, you just kind of, like, gotta suck it up and use that, because that's the, 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 the thing to do, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I also, like, I, I don't like that as much either. Um, but I think, like, some of these issues might be fixable moving forward in the expansion if, it's, if it bears out to be a problem for everybody else, right? Like, you could add new pieces of gear with more interesting... Uh, 
ring stuff on it. Um, so I'm not like, I'm, I'm not totally down on it, right? Like, I don't think it's terrible, but yeah. I also don't feel super compelled to keep collecting, uh, to keep collecting artifact power. Yeah. I was really into collecting artifact power. Um, especially once the nether like crucible opened up because like, I felt like those, um, those like trait rewards were really impactful. Um, like when you got up to 66 traits or whatever right. on all three of your relics and then got to like, you know, get your second bonus relic thing. Um, even if I kind of implicitly understood that the math wasn't truly that way, um, I don't know, it felt that way. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I do think that it is, you know, a better system overall because it avoids some of those like early sort of problems. But I do think that what you're highlighting, I guess, is kind of like real and to a certain extent i almost want to say like that's just the pain of making a real choice about it right about like swapping out your azurite gear um is that there is a choice and sometimes those choices suck in a way and like we're just supposed to suck it up or maybe like have different sets like maybe i take the high eye level high dps output into raid because i don't really need to worry about utility right like it, it doesn't occur it like it's not a big deal for me to have a shield um that protects like 200 hp or whatever like piddly amount it does but like out in the world it does so when i'm leveling i use a different set than when i'm raiding that that's kind of compelling to me to a certain extent um i don't know yeah I mean, we'll, we'll see as, as the expansion moves forward. Um, yeah, I mean, people have been talking... So, there's a couple of different thoughts. Like, some people think that as the expansion moves forward, you're going to get additional Azerite armor slots, right? Like, they're going to say, okay, now, legs are an Azerite armor slot. Um, and so, you know, in 8.1 or 8.2, all legs from then on are going to, like, open up, uh, you know, an, another kind of concurrent set of three rings but people have also said that um or like also speculated um that like the rings themselves might get changed um like they'll add a fourth ring or a fifth ring um as you power up your you know as you power right, up your right. heart of azeroth or something so that like there's an entirely new set of like traits to 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 look for and, and choose from i don't know i don't really know which one i like better because i'm not sure how i feel about azerite armor in like the it makes heads, shoulders, and chests weird. Um, yeah. I, I also, like, I think it's... I don't know. How do, how do you feel about Warforging and Titanforging? Um, because the Azerite pieces can't Warforge. Yeah, I, well, so I think that is good. Um, I no. like Warforging and Titanforging. I think they're very good systems overall. Um, they were probably... I mean, this is what this is what Ian has said, that they were kind of overtuned in Legion and there was too much Titanforging going on. But just, like... In general, yes, I think that the stated purpose of Titan Forge gear is so that anybody can run any instance and get an upgrade out of it, right? Um, even if it's like a ridiculously small chance uh, at that upgrade, and that's a good thing, right? Like I, I am not here for any of the arguments, like you know, our friend Enoch, friend of the cast, Enoch, um, uh, puts out uh, uh, some, some some spicy memes sometimes about the way, um, you know, a, a raid finder player 
could get like a max level piece of gear and like a mythic raider could have a worse like piece of gear how unfair is this right like obviously the mythic raider deserves the higher the higher eye level piece of gear um and i just think that that is a farcical argument because the probability of it is just like it's not entertaining the probabilities and statistics correctly obviously a mythic raider doing mythic level content is much more likely to get that kind of gear um and so you're just kind of complaining about like the edgest of edge cases um, I, I I think where it's got a little bit more legitimacy is, is in the less extreme case where like if Europe like if we care about like world firsts um, or even just kind of like competitive guild clearing being mm. a thing um, it reduces some of that down to luck in a way that isn't that is like uncompetitive I guess is the best way to put it right like um, you know if if, if you're going for World First and you happen to get a lucky Warforged, that could make the difference between you making the World Force clear or not. Um, uh, and even on, like, a like a less serious level, right? Like, if you and another guild on the server are just kind of, like, in a friendly competition for it, like, for bragging rights, same type of thing happens. Um, um, I am also unsympathetic to that argument just because I think that it is, like, uh, un unreal. Like, I understand the hypothetical, but I don't think that that's ever reality, right? Um, if it were documentable that like somebody lost the world first race because like the rival guild got a, got a couple of lucky rolls. Um, maybe, uh, but in the end of the, but at the end of the day, I, I think that the world first race has pretty good competitive integrity and it's a little bit like, you know, like at what point do you factor in the luck of like, I don't know, man, you're playing, you're playing football and it's like rainy and one team is like, and one team has a guy slip and fall and he breaks his leg or something like that and that like throws it you know what i mean sure like, sure no i, I absolutely i i think i'm generally in favor of of war forging and titan forging yeah. as well i I'm just you know i don't i don't like you characterize the argument as completely farcical which i don't think is fair i just think on balance titan forging still wins out um uh, just yeah, i mean i also so the other piece of the argument is that like it is bad if mythic raid teams feel like they need to go clear normal and heroic old content dungeons or raids or whatever because it is another opportunity for loot because, like, something in mythic night... Like, if I'm raiding... Okay, so let's say I'm raiding Argus, right? Like, I'm raiding uh, yeah. Antorus, right? If I feel a need and if Titan Forging raids are such that it's actually useful for me to go back and clear mythic tomb of sargeras because i might get a titan forged piece of gear and so like now all of a sudden right like there's an impetus not just to you know oh hey here's a bonus if you happen to be raiding this right but no you must raid this in order to be competitive right that is that is actually really bad and i think that that's kind of but but to me that's a drop rate problem right like stuff should not drop with a titan forging rate that high such that that activity is efficient do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I actually don't know if I agree that that's bad. Um, just because, like, what, what, why is it bad to encourage people to do old content if, if they are so... Like, he gives them an op another opportunity to do that if they want to, right? Like, that seems like another opportunity for people to be hardcore if they want to be, and I, I, don't, I don't see why, why that's such a huge issue. Um, I, you know, I guess I kind of get that. Um, the, it, I think it is a kind of... Um, like a baseline assumption i guess is what i would call it that like the current content is going to be like better and more useful of your like useful for your time than like older content and that like yeah once a 
you know, once a new raid comes out, if you're like a top tier player, you really shouldn't worry about going back to that, like back to that old raid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying, but like, like, I, I, I guess my point would be like, if you're at the point where like the new content is still like, you're still pushing the new content, right? Or like the new content is still your first priority, but the old content is still an option to potentially get something better. I don't necessarily see that as, as a problem. Um, I don't know. It just feels kind of like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess like I if you wanted to rate three times like a week, an, right? Like, yeah, like I get, I understand that from like an option perspective. Um, I guess what, what I'm talking about is like from a requirement perspective. Um, this is something that I've heard from people who want to get into mythic rating and have a hard time. Doing okay, it, I see that um, to a certain extent because like mythic rating is like you need to raid five nights a week. The, but we're only doing current content the first two nights or something, right? And then the next three nights, we're going back and we're clearing, you know, Tomb of Sargeras on the off chance that we're going to get a really good... This is So, the other piece of this is that I think it, it falls on trinkets much more commonly. Um, because trinkets can have really outsized effects on people's DPS. Like, a lot of the time, even if I get something that Titan Forges in Tomb of Sargeras, if it's just eye level, that's not really a big deal, Right, like maybe it has a good stat distribution for you for like secondary stats or something kind of along those lines. But like at the end of the day, you know th that stuff doesn't matter. But like trinkets, like boy, did getting a Titan Forged Draught of Souls, Draft of Souls off of Gul'dan really change the game um, for my DPS, right? Um, or or something like uh, the um, the unstable. Arcana Crystal, which was notorious throughout the entirety of Legion. It was just the best artifact, or I'm sorry, it was the best trinket for any eye level, but it started at 860, and the only way that you could get it higher um, was by Titan forging it, right? Um, and so you had people who were going out and clearing Withered Jim every time he was up, just on the off chance that they're going to get a best in slot trinket. Um, and so I think there's also sort of like that piece of it, and I almost would wonder if the, like the team looks at it and goes hey maybe we shouldn't have let trinkets titan forge yeah um, no I, I was gonna say i i think that that's uh, an issue with item design but i actually think that's so like to roll this all the way back to your original point was like you know like is is increasing the number of as right slots good or bad um i think that's like my point would be that if you think warforging is good you can't have that many slots as right because you can't warforge them but i think that's maybe a pretty compelling argument to have trinkets um, be as right slots because it seems to be pretty thematic with them anyway, right? They're kind yeah, of like, you know, that's actually to be honest, very true. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, uh, so may may maybe that's the answer. Hire us, Blizzard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, I, I think I would, in kind of the general case, want to make sure that a lot of the gear still has that kind of like flexibility to it, right? Like today, I um did an uh, a a quest I, I did a world quest for the zandalaris because that was that's today's world quest but batch um and uh i got a set of gloves that were not going to be an improvement for me but they were forged five levels above my current one so i was like happy with that so you know kudos to 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 war forging for that um and i, th I think that that's like that's always kind of relevant in making keeping those world item world quests relevant outside of like mog stuff yeah. um do you know what? Do you happen to know what the cap on on how high, um, uh, the the items will scale for you in the world quest is at this point? I don't. I know that Blizzard just changed some stuff. Cause like, um, cause you 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 had like maybe like, 
uh, I don't remember because this was a long time ago, but like beginning of Legion, you geared up pretty significantly through world quests scaling with you for a little while. Yeah. Um, uh, and I'm curious as to how far it goes because I can't tell if I'm hitting the cap or if I'm just not like my base eye level. I, I just happen to be getting quests for things where I have um, higher eye levels in the slot. If yeah, I actually, sense. you know, I have um, always kind of, like, wondered uh, what that looks like. I actually kind of think that World Quest should have always been um, higher-level loot. Uh, should have always been, like, kind of gifting higher-level loot. Um, because it always felt to me like in Legion, the cap on it was a little too low. Yeah. Um, like, I think the cap on World Quest gear was, like... 870 or something in when like when we were doing 7.3 in Argus and it's just like boy like they, they really can't bump that to like 880 885 or something kind of along those lines I'm also a big fan of kind of like the you know accumulate a bunch of resources and buy yeah a a you know an armor piece that is like relatively high like the relinquished gear and the nether shard tokens I think that those were really good systems and I'm a little sad that they that Legion didn't didn't drop or I'm sorry that Battle for Azeroth didn't drop with something like that um, because I think it would have been really nice and really like helpful yeah um, I, I I feel like those have always been kind of like those seem like they're supposed to be catch up mechanics more than they are supposed yeah. to be like leveling mechanics um. Uh, although I do think, like, the gear I have been getting from the Emissary Rewards has been a little bit more satisfying in that sense. Yeah, that's true. I actually kind of wouldn't be surprised if that was something. Like, maybe, like, gear that you get out in the world has, like, a relatively low cap, right? Like, let's say that the gear out in the world caps at, like, 320 or something. But, like, gear that you can pick off of an Emissary chest or whatever the Emissary Rewards are called... Um, here that you can pick off of an emissary world that scales up to 330 right or yeah, whatever no. it is you know um, um but we are you're working a little harder for that yeah we, we are unsure of those numbers as of now um i would say that if 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 it is like however low it is i would i was like maybe we just have gotten bad kind of quest rolls over the past few days but i would like it better if there was a little bit more variety in kind of the mog that way at least had like a reason to go do those quests past a certain point. Like yeah. I, I still have reason to do it because I'm not maxed out in all those slots yet. Um, but I, but towards uh, when I came back for Legion, I was only doing those to collect Mog rather than to actually like do anything. And um, I'm actually su not super enthused by a lot of the, um, a lot of the rewards that are there right now. Like it feels like I have enough resources that I don't have to actively pursue getting more resources. Like I said, I find the AP pull not super compelling as it is um and gold just feels like they're like relatively small amounts and so like they're nice if i get them but they're not su like the, the only super compelling ones i have right now are the rep are the rep gains and those obviously have a cap um i feel as though this is a problem born out of the power of i i am like the poster child for this right i had 11 characters who were all um, sitting on tons of order hall resources and constantly farming those gold missions. Um, and I was generating, you know, like I must, over the course of the expansion, I must have generated like two or three million gold just off of doing that across like a large number of alts. And I really feel that they have cut down on like big boosty sort of um, gold and uh, like gold rewards and stuff like that, right? Like even the art, like you used to get emissary chests and an emissary chest would have like seven or 800 gold pop out of it, right? Right. Um, 
you don't even get emissary chests anymore. You just kind of get like something good that would have been in one. Um, and I feel like that was a decision that they made because they were like, listen, we need to deflate some of these gold prices because like it's just way too efficient to to earn gold. I mean, even just like getting 800 gold off of an emissary chest is is pretty insane. Like you know, when when you when you're when you're running around doing the gold missions, right? The the gold missions being anywhere between kind of 75 to like two or three hundred gold and every world quest you complete is getting you an extra hundred gold because you have like the 50 gold follower thing and you're doing a world quest with a follower right so now you're doing four world quests each one of those is going to get a hundred gold bonus right and then on top of that you're getting a an 800 gold bonus for doing those four world quests like that's like three thousand gold for like 15 20 minutes of activity um, and that's a huge number, I feel like. Yeah, I'll, 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 uh, I'll, I agree with that. And it does seem like they're trying to sink some more gold out of the economy, right? Like the um, the cloaks at Honored all cost about 1000 uh, which is a little bit uh, rich. Um, uh, I'm at like 160,000 gold on my main. And so like I'm like at this point where it's like 167 gold is meaningful and it's not like like terrible, but it's also like... Not so much that I'm like, oh, I got to go grab that. Um, but I also don't have, like, enough money to be, like, tr like I am so far out from, say, like, the 5 million gold mount that, like, that's, like, a hopeless thing that I don't want to, like, optimize my gold my, my gold income for that. Um, but I'm also far enough away from kind of these, these rewards that they're not super compelling either. Um, and maybe I'm just in an unhappy spot at the moment. You know, um, it's but, actually kind of funny because I am... Uh you know, I, I have about 2,000, 2 million gold across all of my characters on Horde side. So that, that Bruto sword mount isn't sort like, it's not easy to get, but it's like in range and I'm definitely working towards it. It's like my big goal for the expansion is to get that Bruto sword mount. Sure. And like, I, you, I don't know, you've, you stuck through Legion. Um, and, uh, I did not. And, uh, it, you know, kind of expect I expect myself to fall off at some point, probably around Christmas. Cause that's what happens every year or every every time and I, this every has happened yeah. yeah this happened for warlords and for legion um and you know that's fine and, and like maybe if i thought i was going to be keep playing all the way through to the end i'd be i'd have that as like a more real goal um but man i i still feel like even if i was going to be playing consistently that five million is just so far and away uh, yeah i have a feeling so the other piece of this i think is professions I wonder, and I am interested kind of by how useful professions... I think professions have not been incredibly useful through... Like, they just were like, weren't a gold maker. Um, like, a lot of professions weren't a gold maker throughout... Excuse me, most of... Um, throughout most of Legion. Uh, whereas in Warlords, basically every profession could make money. Um, and, uh, and in Mists, kind of like every profession could make money. And so, like, actually, to be honest with you, I really miss the Warlord system because I thought the Warlord system was pretty great. Like, you could have three different pieces of crafted gear, and crafted gear went very high in eye level. Um, but buying those eye level increases was tough and very gated. Um, right. And I made a ton of gold off of, you know, like, crafting those, you know, as a, uh, as a blacksmith. Because, like, there was always kind of, like, a demand for it. And then they sort of, like, changed that system to Obliterum, right, in um, in Legion. But then they didn't make crafting gear very good. Like, crafting gear capped out fairly low. It was, like, normal tier raid gear. Um, and so it was kind of like, boy, is that a big investment for me to get, 
you know, something that even if I'm just very casually raiding, right, which is what I, you know, like I'm a pretty casual raider, obviously, um, like I'm gonna, I'm going to to replace. Uh, so I never got the impression that I was ever going to get anywhere by selling, uh, you know, by selling Obliterum and by selling um, crafted gear. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, that's fair. I, I think that's actually a good segue. How do you feel about the professions of this expansion? Uh, the big thing I've no so there's a couple of things they've split up all the prof the professions so that they're kind of like independent of one another, um, and then they've given the battle for Azeroth you know, professions of 150 skill points. Um, I have found it to actually be much more satisfying since the last time we talked about it because I felt a very real increase the more and more I was doing, like, mining. Um, so initially, I was mining and I was getting these very piddly amounts of ore, and I was comparing that ore to the ore that I needed in order to get skill-ups as a blacksmith, and I was just like, fuck, man, they, they really want me to grind for this shit. Um... But as I went on um, and my mining skill increased uh, all the way to max, all the way to 150, and as I got the three level, like the the three star traits in mining, um, it felt really good to see that number go like way up. Um, and I don't really know if like, see, because in Legion they had the same sort of thing, but it took place over a much longer period of time because you had to do like whole quest chains and stuff right, like that. Right. Um, and here it's just kind of like a single quest um, and the feedback was very quick and apparent. Like, we are five days out from the release of Battle for Azeroth, right? Um, and I'm already three stars in, uh, the, like, the main mining, you know, like, the main mining node, uh, traits. And there is a certain part of me that's kind of like, well, now I'm just going to, to sit at that level, right? And I'm going to basically be plateaued here for the rest of, uh, for the rest of the expansion, but who knows? I mean, it felt very good to kind of see that number go up uh, over the course of my, like, leveling and stuff like that, so. Yeah, yeah. no, I, I, I think I agree with you in that, like, that combined with um, the increasing stars on my on my engineering recipes have made, like, the throughput been a little feel better. Like, those first 25 uh, training levels on engineering were kind of brutal. Um, but now, like, the cost on making things is down and the cost on... Or, and, like, the amount I gather from mining is up, so, like, the, you know, it's, it's like a stacking effect. Yeah. Um, I kind of agree with you on the plateauing on the mining. Um, I also feel like, um, I don't know, I, I think that, like, you were saying that you had this too. We're both min mining-based, miners and mining-based professions right. on top of it. Um, it still feels like monetite is, is, is outsized in importance because um, the mechanic, for me at least, has been, like, I got past that first wave, like the first 25 points where I was only using Monotite, and then I used a Monotite and Storm Silver for another 25 points. But then, like my next batch of oranges were the level, the rank two recipes on the Monotite only items. So back to Monotite, um, and now I've I've rotated back to both, um, but uh -huh. it's still it's still just squeezing my Monotite um, super hard. Um, um, I will also say that I am a little bit disappointed by the engineering trinkets this time around they're not super interesting like they were in in legion with like the gun, the gun packs and the gun boots and whatever um there's like one or two fun ones but there's not even like a way to get another like a, a higher level blingtron yet and unless maybe you can answer this for me are the are the items in the unlearned tab the sum total of everything that that's in the expansion right now uh, I think so. Okay, yeah. So then there's no, 
There's nothing. There's there's. I feel like I don't have a lot to look forward to either, um, except for maybe like being able to craft my. my I haven't goggles. actually looked. Yeah, I haven't actually looked too deeply into the unlearned tab, so I don't quite know. Like I don't even know in my, um, in my unlearned tab what I have yeah. kind of waiting for me. Um, but yeah, there's not a lot of, like, there's not a lot of, of fun stuff, which is kind of why I do engineering, right? Um, it feels like maybe engineering is moving into a space of it's actually supposed to be for hunters, um, which is something I really don't like, is that, like, it's, it's very clear which profession is supposed to map to which armor class, essentially. Yeah, um, I'm not sure I would like that if that were the case either. Um, I, I feel like that's definitely true for, like, leatherworking uh blacksmithing and uh i guess tailoring feels like they're 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 like very much supposed to be for those classes and, and engineering always felt like it's supposed to be a little bit outside of that um along with I def like sure i definitely agree that engineering was always a little bit outside of that um but i do kind of think that you like it, it's a benefit obviously to be a um to be an and or i'm sorry to be a blacksmith and to be a warrior because you're plate right and you're making your own weapons and you're making your own armor um but you could also sell that stuff very easily so like sure. most like most of the stuff is pretty sellable on the auction house it feels like um sure sure it's just that like it feels like i've got as many like whereas before it was like you'd have like a couple recipes for guns and um and like a couple recipes for augments for guns it feels uh, like i've got about as many recipes for scopes and ammo coatings as i do for like weird widgets although on the plus side there's also they also get like make maces now um oh, that's, so that's cool yes yeah, so at least something i can use yeah um uh yeah i've always felt like engineering was like very much a like pick this if you don't really care about practicality to a certain extent yeah like, you want to have fun you don't necessarily want to have um right and, and i think i think that's the problem i feel like it's they're making it a little bit too practical now um for for what that's worth yeah um well, at least I have piles of, like, weird hand grenades to throw at people. Uh, um, uh, in terms of secondaries, um, I am kind of disappointed with fishing. Um, I haven't seen anything with fishing. Why, why are you disappointed with it? Um, just because, I mean, I don't think anything was ever going to beat Legion. Um, just, like, they did kind of go all out with Legion, but, like, I got it to max level. There are three different types of fish that you can only get on each continent, which is neat. Um, but it's not, it doesn't feel like those, those fish are really used in a lot of things. Like maybe the one cooking recipe, there's like one feast recipe that's going to require me to go over to Coltiris to, um, fish stuff up. But I almost feel like the right way to do that is to go turn off war mode and go do that. Right. Um, I kind of wish that there was like a, f like one fish that you could only get in war mode or something. Uh, just because I think that would be a neat, like, because doing things on the other continent, like, you know, kind of to switch gears to that for just a second, feels really good, right? It feels like you're behind enemy lines. Yeah. Um, but with war mode turned off, not that I've done it yet, I feel like like there's none of that, that threat there, other than from, like, the NPCs, which is, like, not a thing. Like, I, if, well, so, I actually do think that there is m some of that feeling. It's not quite threat, but it is definitely, like... Because, you know, you don't have, like, a flight path every five seconds. You yeah. have, like, one flight path in each zone. And I know that you're going to eventually, right, like, as you rep up with the honor bound, um, you're going to end up in a spot where you, um, you know, like, you're... So, so, I, so you're going to end up in a spot where you are... Um, 
kind of working towards that level of flight path saturation, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, But, like, you know, now, man, there is one spot. There is one place in the zone, um, which means that, like, you, you're really taking a, a trek, and there's a lot of alliance places all over the place, and you're going to have to, like, avoid those. Um, and so I definitely do feel that. I definitely feel uh, that kind of, um, I don't know, that, like, that, like, behind enemy lines feeling. It's not quite, it's not, like, quite a threat, but it is definitely very different to being in Zandalar. Or Zuldazar. Oh, wait, no, Zandalar is what it's called. Zandalar is the island, Zuldazar is the city. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But, yeah, um... There is one neat achievement that I look forward to doing, which is, it's called baiting the enemy, and um, I don't know if you've seen these, but each faction in their capital city has a couple of, like, pools that will spawn, um, the ones for, for uh, Zuldazar on the trade terrace, um, that have, like, a special fish in it, um, that's, like, uh, that it, they vendor for 50 gold apiece, um, they say they're a crafting reach, but I don't think there's any recipes for them yet, I'm holding on to mine just in case, um, but there's a reward for going and getting the one for the opposite faction. Oh, that's um, super cool. Um, but that requires like a level of infiltration, um, even on even on non-war mode, right? Like because you still right. have to deal with the NPC guards. Um, that'll be cool to get. Um, but like that's really it as far as I can, as, as far as I can see for fishing. I've been fishing pools at max level, hoping to maybe like proc like a, a quest or something. But nothing on Wowhead indicates there's anything like that. Um, there's like the 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 aquatic mount to fish up at some point, which which will be fine. But like, I don't know, man. Just like having a thing, having progress to make on the uh, on the deadlight angler. Like I'd like it if I had a way to keep doing that, even if it was still for like traits that were relevant to to uh to to BFA, just because it'd be something. Um. Uh, uh I I mean I also had problems with 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 the angler at the end of Legion, just or just because like getting those high level traits was impossible and the fish didn't scale with AP or any, yeah. or, or knowledge rather. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if, if I want to do any content for fishing really at this point, it seems like my only thing to do is to go back to Legion and fish more artifact power up, which is slightly disappointing. I mean, I'm not like, I can't say I'm like mad cause like it's fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, I, it was, it was just kind of disappointing coming off of, like all that awesome stuff in Legion. Um, so we have about ten minutes left. Uh, what are your do? We, do you want to talk a little bit about some of the spoilers? Oh yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Okay, spoiler warning. So yeah, so here's our spoiler warning. Right, everybody, shut the fuck up. Uh, don't, don't, uh, don't, don't. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> um. Anyway, so the uh. The Zandalar quest line, there are three different zones, right? Yeah. And just to give, like, a quick overview. So, in Voldoon, you're fighting against the Sethrak Empire, the Sethrak being the Sneeple, the Snake People. Um, in Nazmir, you're fighting against the Blood Trolls that are working for the Old God at the base of, you know, like, in the base of that zone, Gahoon. Um, and then in Zuldazar, you are, you are uh, you know, you're fighting um, the kind of, like, evil, you know, the... You're dealing the directly with the betrayal of... Uh, of Zul, the prophet, yeah. um, who you can't be named Zul and not be evil. It made me kind of sad because I really liked his justice plan type shtick. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so he's actually an NPC that's been around for a while. Uh, I don't know that. It, well, actually, I don't know that he ever showed up physically, but he was definitely there in um, 
uh, vanilla and Cataclysm and Mists when it came to the Zandalari Empire. Yeah. Um, but, like, I don't know. Like, there's, there's there's that whole thing with them going from, like, enemies to friends anyway. Right. Um But, like, I... Like, him like him being a prophet and having, like, like really good, like, forward planning abilities is a thing that kind of came out here. And I like that. A little bit, like I said, a little bit sad that he's a villain. Um, and uh, as you find out, uh, we're in the spoiler section, so I can say this. You know, he gets killed at the end of it in a very badass cutscene. I really like that cutscene. Um, um, but the kind of whole theme is that there are these three seals, one in each region, and the ones in the ones in uh, uh, in what was it? Nazmir so and, and Nazmir have been broken, broken already. Yeah. And your you know your base is in front of the last one, um, but uh, uh, the uh, uh, an old an old one from the uh, from from Voldun shows up and blasts it open. So you know, ooh, bad stuff is gonna happen, um, and that's kind of the plot the the whole plot arc. Um, I really liked each individual plot line, um, including like you 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 had a thing about how all these breadcrumbs. Uh, come together what, what you, you want to go over that yeah cause... so the cool thing uh i have to say that i liked most about the questing in legion or i'm sorry in um in uh, uh battle for azeroth is that there are kind of two tiers of quests right you have mainline story quests where everything is voice acted um you're gonna go to all of the major flight paths and stuff in the, in the region you're gonna meet um, you kind of like major characters who are going to come back and stuff like that. And then there was kind of like a level of like sub quests um, and they are not tied together very much, but like every once in a while you might walk into a zone and you might like find a spot and that spot might have a backpack or something. And that backpack is a breadcrumb. And then all of a sudden the, the, the sub zones will um, uh, like all kind of glom, to get like the subquests will all kind of like glom together to a certain extent. And I think that that's like very cool. They all lead to one another and kind of like refract off of um and all kind of like refract off of one another one another. Um the interesting thing uh about that is that I I saw that very much in Voldoon, but I didn't see that um a ton in some of the other zones, did you get the feeling that it was also there in Nazmir uh, and in and in Zuldazar? Yeah, actually, like I, I I stumbled across like kind of side quests all the time in in, in Nazmir in particular. Zuldazar was a little bit weird because like everything's based around that central city, whereas the other two have like a real path through them. Um, but but Zuldazar I, I I liked quite a bit actually. I think Nazmir might be my favorite. Oh, interesting. Zone. Yeah, because I think Voldoon is probably my favorite zone. Um, and Voldoon, it all felt much more connected. And there were, like, small little pieces where, like, so, like, um, someone from the main storyline, uh, like, in the in the spoiler section, I, like, was like, whoa. When I went to Voldoon and I went to that, play, like, like that inn at the Oasis with all the skulls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a lot yeah, of fun. And then you, yeah, and you finished that quest line, and I was like, holy shit, that's so cool. Um and uh, because it like, you know, someone that the main quest was like, oh, fine, see if you can find this person. And one of them is dead and the other one is missing. And you're just like, oh, well, I guess they're lost to the sands. Right. And it's like stakes. It's dire stakes kind of thing. Um, and uh, and then all of a sudden I went and I did this small quest line. And, oh, it turns out like the guy is missing, 
you know, he made it here and you can save his life sort of thing. And it doesn't go anywhere from there, right? But it's just like, I don't know, it's like a neat piece of um, kind of like connective tissue lore. Um, yeah. I no, I, I, maybe, maybe it was on me because I in Voldoon, I very explicitly followed the subquest breadcrumbs until there were no longer any of them, right? And then I went back to the main quest, whereas I was threading them more in when I was doing Nazmir and when I was doing Zuldazar. And so I like, like, I guess the Nessingwary stuff, right? Like, that's not a main quest. Yeah, no, right? it's not. And there's also the the Seekers stuff with the Naga in the south, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. southwest. Um, and there's the, the archaeology stuff in the south. Uh, no, the south. The Seekers are in the southeast, and the, the nesting or, or the, the archaeology stuff is in the south um, west. But I will agree that, like, they f those breadcrumbs feel less breadcrummy. Like, they feel just kind of like things you stumble across. Yeah. Um, I think, again, because um, everything's centered around Zoldazar and you're kind of raiding it out from that rather than doing a path. Um, I, like, like, with Nazmir, there's just, like, a lot of different little routes that you could take through things. Um, that I, that I really liked. I liked the, uh, kind of, like, I really liked Bon Samdi as, as a character, like... Oh, boy, do I like Bon Samdi. Uh, He's bon so cool. Um, the only, the only thing I, is, like, I can't tell if he's supposed to be, like, evil or not. <laughs> um, I guess they're, like, it, it feels less ambiguous and more just confusing, if that makes sense. That's the only kind of real criticism I'd level about him, is, like, you know, he's kind of, like, that, like, jerk that's your friend for most of it, but, like, there's, like, these, like, evil dramatic music swells when Rastakhan, uh, you know, binds his bloodline to, to Bonsamdi. Um, it's like, is this really supposed to be Sinister, sister though? Bonsamdi's kind of like my dude. Um, uh, I definitely think, well, so this is actually kind of, like, an interesting thing, um, because that sort of character is very active in kind of, like, Caribbean folklore, I right. guess. Um, you know, uh, uh, and I, I know this entirely through a high school musical that I was in called Once on This Island, which is, like, based on all of this kind of shit. But, like, that sort of... I mean, I guess it was also in, like, The Princess and the Frog, right? Like, that sort of, like... Um, he's also uh, in, like, you know, a James Bond film. He's a Bond... Baron Sandy's a Bond villain. Oh, my God. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. But, like, yeah, but so, you know, it is, you don't have a death god, like, like I feel like a very Western sort of, like, a Western medieval death god is, like, the Grim Reaper, and he comes and he, and he like, kills you, but maybe you can, like, play a game with him or something, like, in Seventh Seal or whatever, but, like, he's, like, cold and emotionless or whatever. But, like, these kinds of, like, death gods, like, this, like, sort of, like, Cajun f feel to it is very much like, oh, let's, you know, he is, he's like a, he's, he's like a trickster, he's like Loki, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and he, so, he, he also looks just like Ryuk from Death Note, who is a very he's a god, in a, a death god in a very similar vein. Yeah, that's actually definitely true. And so I think that like at the end of the day, it is sinister because you don't know what he's going to do with it, right? Like he is, you know, he is playing a bigger game than you know. And so hypothetically speaking, um, you know, there's sure. there's like a lot of danger on the horizon that comes from like that unpredictability, right? Um, and I'm very excited. Do, do, I, we were sharing tinfoil hats um, about about this stuff earlier. Yeah, my, uh, my, my tinfoil is that it's going to be something like the like the big reveal is going to be that like like the the way that Rastakhan gets one over on Baron Samdi uh, on Pon Samdi is that um, that the princess isn't his like blood daughter or something, and so she's technically exempt from the bind from the binding. Oh, um, interesting. Um, and that like 
Vol'jin is his, like, secret love child or something. Because he's, like, 200 years old, it's possible. Um, or, like, Vol'jin is in the bloodline somehow, and that's how he comes back. Um, but that that is very tinfoil hat. Um, um, I would put, like, his daughter isn't actually in the bloodline being slightly less tinfoil, because that's, like, a thing I, like, like, um, that's, like, a thing I could see being, like, like a, a a very a very kind of like coy twist that they could do, uh-huh. um. But uh, yeah, I like like I said, I like Bond some as a character, so I, I guess maybe I'm just a little bit sad at the prospect that he's going to be like like being trickstery and being villainous are a little bit different, right? Like this is like the difference between like Avengers Loki and like Thor Loki, right? Um, and, and I'm, I'm hoping a little bit more. For yeah. It. I mean, there is more to, uh, there's more to kind of like Bom Samdi that is interesting. Like for instance, Bom Samdi shows up in, uh, the Vol'jin book from Miss of Pandaria. Um, and because Vol'jin assassins, or sorry, so Garrosh sends assassins to kill Vol'jin. Um, and he's like crippled and he's filled with sort of self doubt and a conflicted loyalty towards the horde and stuff like that. Um, and so the Loa, don't give him his shadow hunter powers anymore. Um, and then Bonsandi gets in touch with him and he's like, Hey man, all you need to do to get my powers is to use the horde to destroy the Alliance, right? Like start a giant fucking like world war and take over. Cause all those souls from that war are going to be fed to me. And I want, there you like, I want it. Um, sort of thing. And so I think that that's kind of like a oh, hidden okay. sort of like subtext, right? Right. Which is that like, there is an expectation that like, Bonsamdi definitely benefits from, um, definitely like like benefits from there being a war between the Horde and the Alliance. Uh, but then there's also some other stuff, right? Like uh, apparently, death and the undead are immune from void corruption. Um, this is something that it was kind of like talked about and speculated about when it comes to Wrath of the Lich King, uh, because in Wrath of the Lich King, undead are immune to, or like we're immune to the to the Serenite magic, which like drove mortals crazy because it's Yogg-Saron's like tainted blood or whatever. Right, right. Um, and so there's this idea that like uh, the reason that the Loa told Vol'jin to tap Sylvanas was because they knew that Sylvanas couldn't be corrupted by the old gods um, in the same way that, you know, hypothetically the Alliance could. Um, and so that there is this, like, weird death pact um, being made between, like, the forces of death and undeath, like Sylvanas and Bonsamdi, um, to stand against, like, the old gods and shit like that. That's also kind of like a tinfoil sort of thing. Uh, my big Sylvanas tinfoil... was the good guy all along. Yeah, my big tinfoil is that Bonsamdi is... Because there's this bit in Nazmir where Bonsamdi talks about how he hates the undead. Um, because he wants them to be spirits that pass on to his realm. Right, and when they're right. undead, they're, they're, they, that can't happen. Uh, where uh, he doesn't like Sylvanas because she is undead and all of her forsaken are undead. And there is some kind of confrontation between Sylvanas and Rastakhan. Um, and uh, Rastakhan, like, loses that confrontation, whether or not it's, like, kind of martial or just, like, a, a verbal sparring match or something like that. And then Bonsamdi is like, yo, but I got Vol'jin's spirit up in this bitch. And if we bring him back, then we can oust Sylvanas and put Vol'jin back in the horde. That's my, that's my whole thing. That's my whole theory. Yeah, I could buy that. On. I could also buy that, like, like Vol'jin's, like, kill Sil- – or not Vol'jin. Bonsamdi's, like, kill Sylvanas and that, like – that's how we replace Sylvanas. 
Um, yeah, I really don't want them to replace Sylvanas. I really want Sylvanas to get. I want Sylvanas to get bumped back down um, to like faction lead of the Forsaken, but I don't want her to die. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I just, I, just, I I can't wait for more war crimes. Oof! Gotta tell you about my favorite war crime I committed when you established the second base. Um, it like where you go over the bridge. Um, in uh, Bridgeport, in in Stormsong Valley, maybe. Wait, uh, you commit war crimes there? Well, you have to go kill those. Uh, you have to go. Uh, to, to did you do the quest where you uh drop the anchor or you you collect the explosives? And the gunpowder? Yeah, yeah, and then you stack them all up at, like, the bend in the road? Yeah. Um, so, uh, first I'll mention that blowing that general off her horse is fucking hilarious, because it's so fucking slapstick the way the models, like, spin all, spin yeah, out of control. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> the war crimes part is when you're going and collecting the gunpowder, you have to, like, kill, um, several, like, workers, um, and you can, you can just kill, like, the, the ones that aggro you. But if you hit one of the ones, like one of the yellow ones, like I have a lot of AOE, so I end up, I end up accidentally hitting a couple. Um, they'll yell like, "No, please don't hurt me!" and run away. Oh and my like, god! She's like, "God damn it!" A couple but, of times that has happened to me, where like mobs have run away on me and I let them go. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, uh, oh my god, that actually makes so much sense because then I ended up getting killed by like these elite alliance cards do they go and they pull elite alliance cards um because i like died like four times on that mission and i bet that's why i bet i like aggroed one of the guys and they ran away and i was like well i'm obviously not gonna like chase them down and shove my axe through their fucking like neck um and then and then like sometime later i got killed by like two elite alliance guards and i was like what the fuck but now that i'm saying it out loud i'm putting it together yeah <laughs> um, I could, like the ones I hit were more towards the northern side, so maybe I just never they never pulled in. Also, I point out that I think Bridgeport does have those elites in there. So if you cut a little bit too close to Bridgeport, yeah, so because that's what I was initially yeah. thinking. Because Bridgeport is an alliance hub, right. which I think is very cool. I like the idea that you know, like an alliance kind of quest hub is also like a a uh, uh, you know like a dangerous kind of quest zone for horde players who are trying to do yeah. subterfuge shit. Um, I. Like spe- speaking of that kind of stuff, I'm really enjoying war mode. Um, I am really happy with kind of the these changes. Um, just because, like, I feel like having like one continent for one faction and one continent for the other really kind of like ups those stakes. Oh yeah. Um. Uh, and I, I I don't know. I'm having a ton of fun with it. Yeah, I also think that the cool thing about war mode is that there is no sort of like ambiguity on it anymore. Yeah. Uh, if any of you are listening from the guild, don't listen to this next part. But I know none of you in the guild listen, so don't worry about it. But, like, when it was you, me, and Kexi, and we were just running around Cool Tiras doing world quests, and as soon as you see, like, an Alliance player, you're like, go fucking murder him, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was, that was, like, because, like, you know, I, I don't know. There's something about feeling bad about that when it was the original sort of formation, because... All things considered, you know, I don't have a huge preference, but my default preference probably is to be on a PvE server um, because I like opting into world PvP when it's fun and I like ignoring it when I don't want to get, you know, when I don't want to be bothered or whatever. Um, And so there was always that like, like tinge of regret, right? When you see somebody and you're fighting them in Legion or in Warlords of Draenor or whatever and like you kill this person and then like, you know, Mark puts a horde flag on their corpse or whatever it is um and you're like you know like man this guy's just trying to you know like he's just trying to level like you don't know 
kind of thing. Um, but here it's just unapologetic, dude. They chose this. You chose war mode. And I'm going to punish you for that choice, right? That is your responsibility. Um, <laughs> I, I, I think part of that, too, has to go with the thematics of, of the two expansions, right? Like, Yeah. Um, I actually found it, like, to be, like, you know, vaguely noble to, to like in Legion to walk past Alliance person and not get into a fight with them and be like, right. you know, we could fight, but we're here and we're fighting the good fight against the Legion. Hurrah and Hazan and, you know, like good day to you, sir. Um, and the fact that like we could have attacked each other and we didn't feel, you know, like that's, that's the choice. And it feels like, you know, feels all warms and fuzzies on the inside. Um, the theme of this expansion being that the gloves are kind of off and it's time to fucking fight. Right, like, goes well with war mode because, like, I see someone that's like, oh, it's one of those alliance fuckers. I'm going to take him down because he's just as much the enemy as the conflict on my continent. Um, and uh, I think that's just kind of a happy coincidence. Like, I think war mode with Legion would have, like, I would not have had those noble feelings. And, like, you know, because, like, again, war mode, it's it's there to be there. Um, and yeah. so that would have been felt like that would have been like a loss, but a, a minor one, but it, but a loss there. Um, and like, yeah, this is also kind of a piece of my feelings about Battle for Azeroth in general, where I find, um, you know, the, the opening stuff with Teldrassil and the Siege of Lordaeron is kind of an afterthought by the time you get into Zandalar. Like really at the end of the day, we just needed to be hardcore at war in order to get into this expansion. Um, and this is kind of why I think Sylvanish should kind of get like bumped down. Cause at the end of the day, I kind of think that she's almost like a plot device um, more so than an actual character. Like they needed to start this war and sort of like break this kind of stalemate or whatever um, to really get, like the Horde and the Alliance at one another's throats. And Alliance, and I feel like Sylvanas kind of ends up suffering because of that, right? Like, yeah. she is just the most useful tool that you can do. How do we start this war? Well, we make the fucking, you know, forsaken person who wants to kill all of the living people the war chief and let her go a little bit nuts. And then the war starts, and then you replace her with whoever, Vol'jin, Sourfang, whatever. Um, but, like, it's not like, you know, hypothetically... You know, Sourfang comes back and he rally, rallies everybody and he says, you're no longer Warchief, I'm Warchief now. And she goes, wah, now I'm not Warchief, right? But is Sourfang going to go make peace with the Alliance? No, of course not, right? He's going to fight this war to its completion because, you know, the the milk has been spilled, these eggs have been broken, you got to make a fucking omelet, right? We got to get to the other side of this shit. Um, a milky and so omelet. That's, yeah. And so that's my that's my thing. That's my, like, feeling on, on yeah. all of this stuff. And, and I'm, I am... I am okay with the storyline and I am okay kind of with the, the, the general concept. I just am less happy with it in the, the great, and I am unhappy with it, you know, to be clear with it in the greater context of the last few storylines where yeah. it feels like the horde is constantly. Yeah, constantly I definitely, I, and, and I agree with all of the criticisms that suggest very minor changes. Um, for instance, I don't know why they included the voice line. She is killing her own men, right? Like if they just said, you know, the Horde soldiers retreat. Like, why are the Horde soldiers retreating? Oh my god, she's using the Blight, and then she uses the Blight on all the Alliance, and then she raises, you know, and then she raises those dead or whatever. It just feels, like, less shitty than the idea of her using the Blight on both her own forces and the Alliance there. Um, and so there's a lot of those small things that I quibble with, and I, and I, and I agree with the criticisms, but the, the larger overall stuff I'm generally fine with. Yeah, um, 
I, I agree with that. Um, uh, also, I just something I wanted to mention because since we last talked about this, um, I went and I did the alliance um, side of the tel- of of the pre pre campaign bit. Um, mm. I definitely get the uh, the uh, the the thing you were saying where, where the Teldrassil is uh, is kind of more of a genocide. Um, I don't know if I'd still classify it as that because they don't like you know. There's, there's like a semantics argument where like Sylvanas isn't per se trying to murder all of the night elves because she hates night elves, which is kind of right. like a consequence of the action she's taking. But like, man, that Alliance quest where it's like evacuate everyone from Darnassus and it's like zero of 932 when you have two minutes, like that felt really like that was the best use of mechanics to make that feel real. That was, yeah. that was great. Um, and, uh, I, I, I want to give props to Blizzard for that because, um, it didn't really feel like that from the Horde side, but you definitely felt it from the Alliance side, which I think is what's important. Um, but yeah, so so good job. Uh, uh, but yeah, um, I feel like we, we've gone over time, but I think that's fine because I think most of my week was Battle for Azeroth. Yeah, basically all my week was Battle for Azeroth. Did we play? We didn't play D&D. We didn't of... play Hell's Rebels because Jimmy turned his phone off or something. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um... Uh, we got our first set of patch notes for Pathfinder 2. Oh, yeah. What was in the pa- I actually didn't end up reading them. Um, It's a lot of kind of, like, corrections to make things. Like, nothing super impactful except for stealth. stealth the stealth change is uh, really impactful. Um, a lot of the other ch- critical changes were things that are important, but, like, not um, not super, like, not, not super, like, things that you could have guessed anyway, right? Like... Um, you the sorcerers don't get trained in their in their bloodline skills; they're just signature skills, um, stuff like that. Um, but the big the big change is for uh, is for stealth, and I'm gonna pull it up that way. Um, I can just read it off. Um, on the sneak action of the stealth skill, I'm not gonna read this because it's, it's a bunch of replacement text. But I'll, if you succeed a stealth check and then attempt to strike at a creature, that creature remains flat footed against that attack, and then you become seen. Um, and the other part is, uh, uh, is in, so the way it was, is originally written is if you become visible at any point during your sneak action, um, uh, you become like, or if, if you were out of cover, you become seen, um, which is kind of limiting. Now it's as long as you end your sneak action in cover, um, you, you, you stay hidden. Uh, that used to be actually a, a, a feature of the, of the goblin racial feet and the goblin racial feet, um, uh, 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 it gets a little bit more. Um, it can, they can chain sneak actions together, um, to cover larger distance between cover, um, as long as you're in cover at the end of your turn, um. Uh, whereas everybody can sneak between pieces of cover on their own turn, and uh, the other big one is that uh, uh creatures weren't flat-footed against your sneak attacks, um you became seen immediately as you were going to make the strike. And now they are flat footed to that first attack. Okay. Um, yeah. Which I think is, is, is pretty important and a pretty good, pretty good upgrade. Um, everything else are like things like the alchemist had, had keywords in his spell book that, uh, that made implied that he could only make common alchemical items, um, with his different features. And now they've, they've, they've removed those. It was kind of an oversight. Um, uh, one that's a little bit funny is sling used to be a one plus hands, which means like you can wield it with one hand, but you need a second hand to, to like, like you can fully operate. You need two hands to fully operate the weapon, but only one hand to like, you can 
manipulate things with your other hand for free without using the change grip action. Um, um, and now the sling is, 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 is exactly one-handed, um, which means, I guess, theoretically, you could dual-wield slings, um, which would be kind of funny. Uh, <laughs> can you, can you reload them? Um, I don't, I actually, I didn't, I didn't read the reloading rules super tight, super closely, so I'm not sure. Um, but at the very least, you can ha take two loaded swing slings and, and swing them around. Um, uh, other, th like, a bunch of clarification check, t uh, text in here. Um, but, you know, nothing, nothing else super crazy. Um, uh... Uh, the biggest, I, the other, the only other really big one is is rangers can have strength or dexterity as their uh, as their key skill instead of just dexterity. Um. Uh, but that's it. I've been reading the forums, lots of comments everywhere about everything. Um, nothing that I want to get too deep into until we do a second episode on the playtest, maybe. Um. But yeah. Um. Other things I've been doing. Uh, I watched the first season of Ki season of Kim's Convenience. Did you end up uh, finishing that? No, I haven't. I've actually gone back to watching Better Call Saul. Have you ever watched either of Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul? No, right? Nope, not at all. How do you live, Mango? How do you live? Better Call Saul is the best uh, best television show on television currently. Um, just kind of from like a filmmaking standpoint, like they have. Uh, there's just like nothing else besides it. Like, even though I like a lot of other shows and I like stuff like, fuck, what TV shows do I like? I don't know. I like TV shows. Game of Thrones, right? Like, Game of Thrones or Westworld. Like, Game of Thrones or Westworld just don't have a sense of cinematography um, and real sort of movie-making chops that Better Call Saul does. And, and Better Call Saul has all of that, you know, like, the plot is really interesting. These characters are great and complex and nuanced and stuff. Um, you would actually really like Better Call Saul because it's a lawyer show to a certain extent, right? Um, and But, like, the defining kind of aspect of, of the show is how good Saul, he's called Jimmy in the show, um, how good Jimmy is at kind of finding like loopholes in it. Like he's, he's kind of a rules lawyer right. in a way. Um, or like a munchkin. Right. So but mean, like for so a real a life. Lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. We're, <laughs> right. But, but, but so, the, but he is contrasted to a lot of other lawyers that just don't think that hard, you know? Right. Okay. And, and aren't willing. And so the other thing a is good lawyer and aren't willing to commit fraud. Right. Like, I don't know how else to put it. Like, uh, at the end of the day, he is willing to do a lot of like underhanded shit in order to kind of like get ahead and get what he wants. And watching him go through the process of that is so interesting because he's like, because like the the hook is kind of that he's a con, like he's a former con man that ended up getting a law degree um, from like the from like the the university of like one of the I like Guam or something like that, you know. So like a really hacky law degree, but he passed the bar, right? You know, um, and. Uh, but he's, like, really smart about it. And the way that the show moves and, like, the twists and the turns um, are just something that is, like, <sighs> boy, I don't know. It's, like, unparalleled. Ah, fuck. Maybe Mindhunters is better. I forgot about Mindhunters. But it's really good. And so I got back into it because the new season is coming out. Um, and so I guess I, I, I would highly recommend. How have you not, what, how have you not watched these shows? Uh, because I spend my time watching YouTube and playing video games. Uh, like today, what did I watch? I watched, uh, Reverse Trivia, 
on Tom Scott's or Matt and Tom's Tom Scott channel, which was very entertaining. They, I don't know who that is. <laughs> um, he, uh, he, uh, uh, it's it's a YouTuber with a big following, but he ha he used to have a podcast. Uh, he has basically a group of his friends. He, they're called the Technical Difficulties. And there's this thing they do. Um, the their old form. Um, they they've done it for a couple of years. I highly recommend you guys go look up the back episodes because they're kind of timeless. Is he looks up a Wikipedia article, um, and like, uh, uh, names it, and people have to like uh, the participants basically list out facts about it or like figure out what it's about it's super it's super fun it's super interesting They're, the guys are pretty funny so it's, it's it's pretty well pretty well done and comedic um this one is a little bit more traditional version he basically takes a card a, a bunch of uh trivia cards and he reads the answer and they have to figure out what the question is um and it's neat and it's both it, there's some cool facts in there one of the guys is an archivist um but a lot of it's also just kind of like the witty banter between the between the the four of them um. Uh, so yeah, I highly recommend. <laughs> Is this the part where that. we like update on our contrapoints? Put out a new video, <laughs> like you know. What I mean, yeah, I mean you, you asked me why I didn't watch TV shows. Um, you also That's sandbagged fair. me, and I didn't get to talk about fucking uh, Kim's Convenience because we didn't actually talk about that during the show. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So Kim's Convenience has a has a storied history that stretches back all of one week to Gen Con. Yeah. Um, <laughs> where I guess you guys started watching it in the hotel room. Yeah. So, I, I've watched like four episodes and they are great. Yeah. Uh, fr friend of the podcast and uh, PR manager extraordinaire, Alex Zhao, I recommended it. And it's basically the story of a Canadian um, convenience store owner named Mr. Kim um, and his wife and his, his daughter and his estranged son and the kind of it's basically a very um, typical sitcom with a lot of, like, Korean flavor to it, I guess, is the point. It's, it's basically like a sitcom for the modern age. I think the writing suffers in some places. Like, I think that they, like, some characters go through developments a little bit too quickly and some things just feel out of place. But overall, the jokes are very funny and I think it's a, it's, it's a very fun show. Like I said, I've only watched the first season. There are two seasons on Netflix. Um, and uh, I think... Uh, it's a show that that uh, that everyone can enjoy and should go enjoy. Um, yeah. Do you have any deeper thoughts on uh, on Kim's Convenience? I you know I I don't uh, I like shows like this because they are not built. Uh, I I said this and you you got mad at me or well uh, I, did, I, I just I. Okay, they well, are. They, I, I like shows like this because they are not built for me. Right. Like this is a this is a show about kind of like Korea like urban Korean culture that I have never. I guess I've interacted with it to a certain extent, just like through friends and stuff like that. But I don't know. It was very neat to see. Uh, it's it's always like neat to see that sort of thing. In a lot of ways, it's kind of something that attracts me. You know, like I don't know, attracts me to plenty of different uh, shows out there. Is because like I like Orange is the New Black is actually a really great example. That is a show that's not made for me, right? Uh, but I find it really interesting to go watch it because um, it is not. I guess, like, aggressively targeted towards my dem demographic in the same way that plenty of the other media I consume is, right? Like, Avengers, that, you know, like, Avengers Infinity War is a movie that was made for me, right? Um, uh, I, I, think, I think you've just got a bad sense for what's built. Like, Kim's Convenience is pretty explicitly built for you, as well as, like, the Korean audience. But, like, the fact that they go and they explain every Korean custom explicitly so the audience understands it and doesn't have to, like, have that prior knowledge pretty clearly indicates that it's, it's, it's for a broad audience. No, I mean, I'm not saying that it's not for a broad audience. Um, like, there's plenty of stuff that gets, like, overly explained in, you know, I don't know, 
in orange is, is the new black, right? But like uh, that's I, I, I've never seen it, but I would guess that that means it probably is also for you. Orange is the New Black is an incredibly popular show. Okay, yeah, but there's a, so there is a difference between like something being like primarily targeted for an audience, right, and something being accessible to an audience, right? Kim's Convenience is accessible, right? It's more accessible than like a subtitled K, you know, K soap opera, right? Sure. That I could go out and and watch or something like that. But the point is, is that like it is a uh, it is that like window, I guess. Do you know what I mean? No, I because like I do you think I, this do you think the show is like made for white people? Um, I don't think it's not made for white people because no, but that's exactly what I'm saying. I'm saying it is accessible to white people, but it is made for Korean people. No, if I, that makes I, sense. I, I think it is equally made for Korean and white people. Um, like if I wanted to take like a really quote unquote woke stance about this, there's a lot of stereotypes in that show that like you know, would get, like, a person's, like, hee-hee, look at the funny the funny Asian person's rocks off, right? Like, I recommended it to my parents, kind of, for that exact reason. Right. Be, the, the, like, they will be amused by, like, the very the, the very kind of stereotypical Koreanness of Mr. Kim. Oh, my uh, God, actually, that makes... I should recommend it to my stepmother, <laughs> who's Japanese. <laughs> um, th- I don't know if you saw, but there's a lot of, like, anti-Japanese sentiment in there. Like, it's... Mr. Kim is, like, very much, like, Korea... Or, like, Japan is the worst... And they like they they. they uh, I actually they saw a couple of the, see that see. I have to say those things really did speak to me because there is that like holy shit like okay, <laughs> like the the Chinese Korean Japanese like war for ownership of like certain Asian ideas I find fucking hilarious because uh, I've seen it a lot of you know like. I've seen it from, like, the Japanese side of things where you try and claim, like, Taekwondo was, like, secretly made by by Japanese soldiers when they, like, occupied the Korean Peninsula in the 15th century and stuff like that, right? Because, like, they can't they can't give that to the Koreans. They can't let, like, the Koreans have ownership. I think Mr. Kim did, did that with karate, right? Was, yeah. He was like, you know, karate was made by, you know, a Korean soldier in Japan, like. Yeah, yeah, he, yeah, yes. Um, there, there were a couple of those moments. Um <laughs> Um, but yeah, like, I, I think it is, I think it's supposed to be kind of like the multicultural feel-good sitcom, um, feel-good family sitcom for, like, um, all audiences to enjoy. Um, like, yes, it's nice that, 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 uh, Asian people are getting more representation, um, but I don't, I, like, I think it's a mistake to think that it's primarily for that audience. I think, I think it's, I think it's primarily for everyone. I mean, yeah, like, because I'm splitting the, the, the hair is split between accessibility and, like, sort of, like, targeting or whatever, right? I mean, hypothetically, I guess you could make the argument that it is targeted towards white people to make them understand Asian people. But at that point, it's kind of like, what, what how, what's the difference? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I see what you're saying. I, I still disagree with you, but I think it's, it's the thing we're going to have to agree to disagree. <laughs> I mean, it's something like, like it's, it's also like, it's something like Black Panther, right? Is that targeted for to black kids, right? Is that targeted to you and me, or is that targeted to black kids? I think that's accessible to me, right? But at the end of the day, that is a, that is a story that faces African Americans. Do you know what I mean? Sure. I don't know. Uh... I don't know if I have any deeper thoughts on that. I'll, I'll, I'll just let let that one hang because I also don't like. I don't know if, if I'm going to be cynical. I think that Black Panther is 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 for is is for like woke coastal people more than anything else. 
<laughs> I mean, hey, like I don't know. I guess that's uh... like, and uh, you know, I, that that's this like you know like that that's the market, right? But like, like it, it's it, it is not a down in like there are some intense moments in Black Panther, but it isn't like straight out of Compton, right? Or or, or anything that's like like a real hard dig into like those themes. Well, I mean, you can make the argument that like Medea, right? Sure. Medea make, makes all its money from African-American audiences and white audiences typically pan it. Yeah, uh, I mean, I don't even like, I don't even know if it needs to pan it, but yes, I will, t- I will give you 100% that Medea is, is, is definitely for, for the black community, um, for the African-American community. Yeah, see, I because that I think that's the big difference is that like because I think that there are these things that are like for certain communities but accessible to wider ones, but I guess you don't think that that accessibility exists because no, like, I, I I definitely think that there are, that there are examples. Or, or what about Jessica Jones? Because we've talked about this in the context of Jessica Jones, right? Jessica Jones is not a show for me. I felt like I was like, I don't know. It was almost like a voyeur to like someone else watching that show, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think that your your concept is invalid. I just think you apply it too broadly, right? Like, I think that like anime, right, is not targeted generally at white weebs, but it's accessible to them, and that's why they enjoy it, right? Especially like the classic ones, like in Evangelion, um, uh, or like there's a, there's a lot of shows that have like um, Japanese like isms to them that are that are uh like opaque and require like an editor's note um but like uh are, are accessible to, to the western audience which is part of its, its its allure um but i don't think that applies to kim's convenience yeah i um, mean i also think that there are other like i mean oof are you ready for this hot take because i think there are plenty of things that do this wrong right like i don't think that Big Bang Theory is a good example of this sort of thing, right? Because I think it's obviously kind of, like, pig-headed and wrong about so much stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I go back and forth on Big Bang Theory. Um, like, I agree with you in the general case. I also think that it got better at certain point. Like, it was all right, and then it got bad, and then it got better. Um, just kind of with the later, later stuff about them actually being, like, successful and smart. Um, I don't know. There's a lot of, in, like, there's a lot of analysis we could do about that show that I'm not I, yeah, I have because very, I have I've only a, seen one or two episodes. I have a very complicated uh, relationship with Big Bang Theory, mostly because I think that, like, most trolls give it too hard a time. Or, I'm sorry, not most trolls. Most nerds give it too hard a time. Because uh, I think that there, I think that the relationship between those four guys is actually kind of... It's, like, very similar to the sort of relationships that we have with one another, right? Um, It's just that basically everything else is wrong. So it's kind of like there's this nugget of truth, and it's surrounded by, like, all this other wrongness or whatever. Um, But but then I get – but then, like, Silicon Valley came along and was just, like, so much better about it. Yeah, I think I think I think I'm 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 okay with that. I haven't watched later seasons of Silicon Valley either. Yeah, I have not watched the most recent season of Silicon Valley, but you know, like I think the relationship I mean, the relationship between Dinesh and Guilfoyle isn't is kind of like a punched up for comedy, I think, version of the relationship between any one of our group yeah. of friends. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah, you absolutely. you and me, me and Mark, 
Mark and Nick, you know, you could just pick any two people and kind of slot them into that sort of thing, right? Like, yeah, yeah, I, 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 I get that. Um, uh, I on a recent uh, podcast I listened to, um, apparently Gilfoyle uh, made a made a a, a, a a pronouncement about how the block about how the two things he believes in are like the Satanist Church and the blockchain. Um, <laughs> Because the the the, uh, the company the 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 Silicon the, the I guess Pied Piper does an ICO um, instead of seeking more funding, um, uh, but yeah, like that's uh, I should go watch that show. Um, but anyway, speaking of podcasts, uh, our sister podcast came out with its new episode in a year and a half. Uh, I don't know if I'd call them our episode. sister, but more like our, our cousins. More like our like. Very, very small cousins that our, our take our hand-me-downs <laughs> because we have lapped them like seven times at this point. Uh, <laughs> In case anybody didn't know, the only reason this podcast exists is because they made their podcast and we were feeling, I guess, a little competitive or something. Yeah. It was like, yeah, then, yeah we, could, we should, like... They did it. We should just fucking get on this. And yeah, do we it. should just do it, right? And then we've hit our we've hit our deadlines basically every week. Yeah, we haven't missed an episode. And they cut off the trade, get wrecked, yeah. boyos. <laughs> uh, hopefully they'll keep it up. I'm excited. Like they, they've announced they're going bi-weekly. Um, yeah. I hope they keep it up because I, I do enjoy their podcast. Yeah, um, their their first episode back is about uh, like the Alex Jones stuff. It's politics, I guess. Um, the paleo diet. Uh, <laughs> the, <yeah>. I. <laughs> They 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 don't they don't have a talk about thing. They just kind of talk about everything, I guess. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, their their uh most popular episode still has more listens than any single one of our episodes. So you what know. was their most popular episode? I think it was the one right before they quit. Oh no, it was episode four. It has two hundred forty two listens on it. Superfruit. Superfruit? Man, I can't remember these episodes. Uh yeah, I mean they were that one was like two years ago. Yeah yeah. Um. So that was that was their fourth episode. It was not their last one before they quit. Um, but, but yeah, uh, unwise uh, the unwise skies was the last episode before the big break, and then they had one last year, and uh, now they're back after eighteen months, and hopefully they'll keep going. That, that's a challenge to you guys. I know that at least one of you listens to this occasionally. So. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Uh, so yeah. Um, I think that's everything I had about my weekend battle for Azeroth. Did you have anything else you want to talk about? Uh, no, I think that's uh, I think that's all of it. Well, in that case, if you'd like to tell us what you think about battle for Azeroth, or uh, or Kim's convenience, or the Unwise Index. Send us your feedback for their podcast. That that would be funny. Um, and uh, you can reach us at subdursplaygames at gmail.com or podcast at subdursplaygames.com. Um, you can follow us twitch.tv slash subdursplaygames. Hopefully, we'll get around to playing Hell's Rebels this week. Um, uh, everything else is kind of on pause. Uh, I don't know if you want to watch us play something, send us a thing and I'll try and stream it. Um, but, uh, other than that, you can read us, read us on iTunes, comment on everything, find us on Twitter. Uh, we're on all the social media except for like Instagram. Um, if you'd like us to make an Instagram, uh, account, tweet at us that we should make an Instagram account. Um, and uh, I think that's everything I had, buddy. Do you have anything else you want to promote? I have nothing else that I'm looking to promote. In that case, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners.